What's up, Castleberry? Welcome back. It's October 2023, and we are back for a brand new edition of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. My name is Drew Taylor, my co-host Andy Searles, and our producer Robin Kepi. We come together every other week or so. This is episode number 143 of our podcast. Welcome, co-host and producer. How are y'all? Hello. Robin's got her quiet, shy voice on today. She does. Well, you know. Delilah. Delilah. Robin. We'll get her warmed up. But I am glad to be with you. I am excited about this episode. We have already recorded the interview that our listeners are going to hear in a little while. And honestly, it kind of touched my heart uh, to hear some of the things that are happening in our Seminole County. And I would encourage listeners to listen all the way through because we got a challenge for you today as you find out about a very needy population within our county. Drew, what have you been up to? How are you? Yeah, doing well. Uh, life's good, wrangling kids. This, uh, As of this recording, we will be right up bumping up to Halloween, yes. which uh, is super fun. I have a three-year-old, so he is all about uh, the decorations we see and the, and the costume ideas. I think the Taylor family are going to theme ourselves as the Ninja Turtles, I think. is We have four kids, so it kind of it makes sense. Yeah. Wait a minute. Are you going to be Master Shredder? I'm going to be the, I think I'm going to be Shredder. Yes, that's right. Also, that's right, if so. my math is correct, this episode will come out on Halloween. Oh, very nice. Wow, a Halloween special. Well, happy Halloween, mm-hmm. everyone. We'll try not to make it too spooky for you. Robin, <laughs> Robin, do you have a costume? Um, I haven't put that much thought into it. Although I am going to see the Taylor Swift Airs movie tour, and I will be dressing up for that, so. Perfect. Oh, my daughter has got tickets for that. <gasps> Barbie over there, nice. Andy, what about you? Wait, you've what? you've <laughs> dressed up. I've known you for several years, and Andy's. I, I didn't mean to rush I, you, no, Robin. I'm sorry, but I I have seen no, Andy we didn't in need to rush away multiple costumes. Sorry. I heard through a um a source. Oh yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, so I don't know how true that. Maybe not you, but your church was going to be Super Mario Brothers at some trunk or treat. I, I don't know. I'm just the leader. <laughs> <laughs> the I just yeah. show up. I do know that we are going to participate at the Castlebury Elementary Trunk or Treat. Oh, fine. And maybe that's where we're going to be the Mario. That Brothers. might be ah. it. Where did you hear that rumor? I know people at your church. Uh, all right. Oh, that's right. Okay, I've heard the pieces together. Nice. So, Drew, you were saying, before you were rudely yeah, no, I was producer, Robin. Oh, my goodness. We are, uh, we're, we're a festive family, and we're a festive podcast. We, we go all out for our holidays. I, just as an aside, before I hear about Andy's costume choices, which probably doesn't really want to talk about, um, Castleberry, I, I will say, I haven't lived in Castleberry for several years and, and just served and been around. Castleberry goes all out for Halloween. The the homeowners, the feels like the city has you know some events and some fun things. It's a, it's also a beautiful time of year. It is. Uh, the, at the end of October, the weather finally breaks and it cools yeah. down. But yeah, Halloween is like a big deal, and people really do go all out. I, I'd be curious to kind of know like why exactly. Yeah, it might, might be some kind of um, uh, socio demographic kind of stuff going sure. on there as well. For sure. Did, do you have a particular costume? That no, I don't. And you were saying I often wear a costume. I think I wore it once, and that was last year because I had to. I just got it off off Amazon. Well, you but tr- I normally just go as a kind of grumpy middle-aged white guy, <laughs> and I have, I have perfected it. It's not a costume if that's just how you <laughs> <are>. <laughs> It's not a costume, it's what you wear all the time. 
<laughs> is that what you're saying, Robin? Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of middle-aged, grumpy white guys. <laughs> it's time for the dad jokes of the week. <laughs> we associate middle-aged white guys as dads, and Andy and I are both dads, and we love to embarrass our kids and love to say corny jokes. So here you go, listener. Drew, here you're not middle-aged yet. Don't lump yourself together. I'm getting close. It's uh, not not far beyond the horizon. All right, Robin. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is going to show you how much of this doesn't make sense. How I'm not middle aged because I am hip and cool. And here we go. Anyone who describes themselves <laughs> hip and cool, because exactly. the general rule is not hip and cool. No, 100%. I agree. I own the fact that I'm not hip or cool. But if I were a hipster, <laughs> Robin, how much does a hipster weigh, do you think? I don't know. A hipster just weighs a mere Instagram. <laughs> You'll always be hip to me, Drew. There we go. All right, Andy, this is for you, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Andy, you mean are, the hipster jokes are you a, <laughs> Andy, are you a math guy? Uh, I mean, no. No, because we're pastors, so yeah, no, we're not math guys. But if you were, Andy, you know what's odd? No, Drew. Well, yes, Drew, a lot, but what's your answer? <laughs> Numbers that aren't divisible by two. That's what's odd. Hey, there you go. There you go. That jokes. Okay, I can me. almost see that dropping from Robin's brain <laughs> to the muscles around her smile. That was a slow reaction. It was yeah. a slow reaction. I, I'll admit that was not my best. Listen, okay. it's not you. It's just math is. Yeah. Leave math in the classroom. All right, we're we're having fun. This is after school. <laughs> Love this it. Is most definitely after <laughs> yes. school. This is after Can hours. That WhatsApp customer in the curriculum of some of our <laughs> They, what Flor- kind of people would that produce? Florida public schools already get a bad rap, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, let's not break it down. All right, you hear about the man who went for an interview. The boss said, thanks for filling out the job application form. Do you have any experience? He said, yes, this is my 20th interview. Oh, <laughs> nice. Maybe it's going to say I'm so fine, probably. Yeah. It takes some time. I'm, so, I'm just delayed. Which actor does the least driving? Actor. I don't know. Christopher Walken. <laughs> ah. Okay, Walken. Drew, um, you know, you may understand this. Robin may not. This is kind of like a guy thing. But you know that bros don't let other bros walk around with their fly open? Okay, that's bro code. It's called the zip code. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going a different place with that bros <laughs> comment. But it's a PG. Uh, yeah. So, Robin, as you've heard the jokes today, um, who won? Me. Ah, <laughs> always, always. Because I was trying to tee up for my last joke. Okay. I'm not a competitive person. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. The dad jokes of the week. Well, listener, we are uh, all about breaking some news here and sharing about some of the exciting things happening in Castleberry. And we're also really into food. <laughs> if, you had, yes. or if you're a former listener... We have lots of episodes to listen to. We talk about food and, and restaurants and, and places to eat around town. Well, guess what? We have a new and exciting restaurant with some familiar faces. That's right. The founders of Tijuana Flats are back in the Tex-Mex arena. Uh, they are opening uh, a new restaurant in Castleberry called Big Taco. Big Taco. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Just the name alone intrigues me. I, I'm sure I will check it out. Uh, literally, in the in the highlighted article about Big Taco, it says, Big Taco, a new Tex-Mex restaurant, is set to open its doors in November in the shopping center Castleberry Commons. Castleberry Commons is 
on 436, a little bit down from the Walmart there, uh, kind of across the street from Metro Diner and the Publix there. Um, but they are going to be serving tacos, chimichangas, tostada salads, and special dishes. And they're focusing specifically on making it a family-friendly venture. So, uh, Andy, what do you think about a new taco restaurant, new restaurant from the guys that brought us Tijuana Flats? I'm a big fan of Tijuana Flats. I'm of course. I'm a big fan of food. So I say kind of bring it on. Mm -hmm. Tijuana Flats has really been an amazing story, and I knew they grew that 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 name and that brand before they sold it. And I, I believe it's the son, right, of the owner who's going to run this. So um, they know what they're doing. That's right. They're honored that Castleberry is going to be the first. Um, there's something about big taco. That's how we would say it in English. Taco. You sounded like Nelly on The Office. <laughs> yeah, taco. Right? So about big... She's also British. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Did you just mute me? No, he, she was saying he's, she's also yeah, British. Yeah. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, there's something about that name, Big Taco, that kind of like feels manly and messy. It does, right? it does, yeah. yeah. So, Meaty, um, yeah, fills can, you up. I can kind of guess their demographic, and I'm probably uh, right in the middle of it. So. Beautiful, perfect. So bring it on. Is it open already, or is it soon? It's, uh, I believe it said November. Okay. They're going to open, yep, next month. So. Uh, between there and then the Tino's Bakery uh, on, on 436, the other direction, yeah. uh, the Puerto Rican Bakery, uh, we, we, got some, we got some stops to make on the What's we Up Castleberry Tour. And Cheddar's is breaking ground here and soon. And hopefully the next couple of years, uh, BJ's with their free sample giveaways. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Lots of exciting things happening in the food industry in Castleberry. Did you guys know that Castleberry has a new vegan restaurant? Called no. V's Vegan Diner. V's Vegan Diner. Mm -hmm. no, where's that located? It's in the same plaza as Ollie's and um, oh. Wa Sushi. Right by Buffalo Wild Yeah, it used okay. to be a pop up cart and now it is in like downtown Orlando. Now they have a permanent location in Casper. And now you've been educated. Fantastic. All right. Well, we'll be back with our very special guest in just a moment after a short break. Are you looking to be part of something bigger? A community that fosters growth, prosperity, and support? Look no further than the Castleberry Chamber of Commerce. Since 2003, we have been dedicated to promoting the prosperity of the greater Castleberry community. But we don't stop there. We are proud supporters of local entrepreneurs, offering scholarships to high school graduates, making donations to food pantries, art programs, local schools, and more. We are not just another division of a larger organization or run by big businesses. In fact, 85% of our membership is comprised of small businesses with 35 employees or fewer. As a member, you'll have access to numerous networking functions and opportunities for personal and professional development. From monthly business luncheon with inspiring speakers to women networking luncheons, ribbon cuttings, and business after hours, we have something for everyone. And check out our annual events, including golf and kickball tournaments and food and wine festival. There's always something exciting happening at the Castleberry Chamber. Join us today and become part of the Castleberry Chamber family. Together, let's make the greater Castleberry community an even better place to live, work, and play. We are here to create value for our members and help your business thrive. Visit castleberrychamber.com for more information.
Listeners, welcome back to our favorite part of the show where we turn the spotlight on someone who is doing something amazing in Seminole County. And we have such a person today, my friend, and probably yours because you have seen him around town. He seems to be everywhere that good things are happening. His name is Chris Ham. He's from the Samford Rescue Mission. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Drew. I don't know about a good guy, but we'll see. You are a good guy. At least that's what your agent paid me to say. So. <laughs> All right, Chris, some icebreakers to get going. If your life were a book, what would the title be for the chapter that you are living right now? When you wake up, who knows what's going to happen today? <laughs> okay. Can you give an illustration, an example of that? Well, you know, at the we're the only homeless emergency shelter in Seminole County. We manage over 120 beds every day, and you just never know what's going to happen. I'm also the father of three kids, two of which are teenagers, <laughs> and one's a preteen. Again, you never know what's going to happen every day. Well said. Well said. And and you were saying off the air, you're kind of at an age of life where you're like sort of waking up. How do I feel today? Do and I, you're wondering get, what's hurting today. Can I, yeah, exactly. And, and you wake up and you go, what's going to hurt today? There you go. Beautiful. We're going to hear all about your line of work and, and the good you're doing in our community in a minute, uh, serving as a hero to truly many that are in need. Uh, Who is your childhood hero, Chris? You know, my childhood hero, this sounds right, but it probably had to be my parents. Yeah. My mom and dad really they did a good job. They they did. Though we have a family joke that you have to be careful what you pray for because my brother and sister are ten years older than I am, and my parents prayed hard for me. And as my parents' friends all growing up said, "Be careful what you pray for," because Myrna and Norland, my parents, prayed for a child and they got Christopher. <laughs> But my parents really modeled a life of kind of hard work and service. We grew up in a middle-class family, but my parents really were super active at our church growing up. They were super active in our community, really giving of their time and always looking to help others. And so I really appreciated that, and I think that resonated with me growing up. That's good. That's a great answer to honor your, your parents. Let's talk about the rest of your your family, and I want to give you an opportunity to brag on them a little bit. You mentioned the three kids, a lovely wife. I do. Introduce them to us by bragging on them and telling us something that each of them does really well. So I have two boys in high school, and they're in the marching band, and they're both really good musicians, and both of them are a lot smarter than I am, mm. and especially in math and science. Mm. They come home, and I'm just like, I got no way to help you all. I got nothing, so it impresses me that at 14 and 15 years old, some of the work that they're doing these days just blows my mind. So that's my two boys. They're at Lake Brantley. They're in the Marching Patriot Band. And then my daughter is a fifth grader, and she has type 1 diabetes. And she is, I'm going to call her a warrior. This little girl gets five to six shots a day of insulin because as a type 1 diabetic, you can't produce insulin so in order for her to live she has to get insulin and so she was diagnosed like two years ago year and a half ago and she's just a she's a trooper and a champion with it and every day is a different fight so she's kind of my hero I probably should say that she is but so she is and my kids are and then my wife bless her heart tries to keep up with all of us um, and that is a saint she right there saint. Yeah. she is a complete saint um, this year is better because we only have two schools but last year we had one in elementary, one in middle, and one in high school. And we had no idea who was on first, what was on second, and, <laughs> and different activities. And so at least the boys are a little more standard right now. That's good. Well said. I feel like I know your family now. And could how how would they brag on you? 
Oh, good question. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. <laughs> Not at all. They would go, oh, Dad. That could be a new icebreaker. At your funeral, what would people say about you? <laughs> well, maybe what do you want them to say about yeah. you? Yeah, maybe what you want them to say. You lived a good life. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to say. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, part of the building that legacy, then that's a perfect transition, is, is what you do uh, with the time you have in this life. Chris, you uh, for Rescue Outreach Mission, and and could you give us kind of just an overview of what that is, where you're located, and some of the, the fun facts and figures sure. about what you guys are about? Thanks, Drew. Yeah, so uh, Rescue Outreach Mission, we're Seminole County's only homeless emergency shelter. We're located in historic Goldsboro in Sanford, yeah. um, and we've been there since 1987, and we operate, we have two buildings. We've got our family building for families with children, and then we have our single building so we have single adults inside of on our campus manage about 120 beds provide everything for our guests we don't call them clients we consider them guests mm-hmm. when they come in the doors our goal is to really move them from street homelessness into permanent housing so when i started in january of 22 and 21 we were able to help 70 people transition in 22 over 213 and then this year over 140. And so our focus is coming alongside, and we really want to equip and empower and not enable those who are experiencing homelessness. And we do that a couple of ways. One of the biggest ways is really through our case managers or coaches, as I like to call. And for every person that comes in, they sit down, they talk to them, they listen to their story, they try to help them figure out um, what they need to do in order to achieve finding housing for themselves. And so that's really our goal, is to come alongside, help them out, listen to them. We do everything from helping them write a budget, because some of them have never written a budget, to helping them apply for either Social Security Disability or VA benefits, if they have access to those. If they don't able to have access to those, if they don't have an ID, which a lot of folks don't, because that's one of the first things you lose, is your identification when you're experiencing homelessness. And so that's what they really do. I'm proud of the fact that we do case management, uh, many agencies are like Monday through Friday from like 9 to 12, 8 to 12, or seven days a week. We want to remove as many barriers as possible and really listen to our folks. And just a quick snapshot. So when we're recording this last night, we had about 35 single men, 19 single women. We had 16 families and 40 children sleeping in our shelter. Wow. We've never had that many kids. And while that number's huge, I will also tell you, according to Seminole County Public Schools, as of Today, the first of October, the first of October, there's an additional 62 children from our county schools who are sleeping in their cars, or in the park benches, or in tents here in Seminole County. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, people ask me, what's my why? That's my why. There's no child should be sleeping on the streets, and you know, we arguably live in the greatest county in the greatest state in the greatest country in the world, and that's unacceptable to me. So we've got to do better. I love that. I love everything you said about that. It, it's hand up, not just hand out. Although there are times when we just need to hand out. It's empowering for It's making their lives better. And I, I love your why. Just a personal story, uh, if I can, and I'll figure out how to tie it into a question. But but a few weeks ago, you know, I do some work with the Castleberry Police, and I got a call uh, late on a Friday night. Uh, Mom had been arrested, three or four kids under 16, nowhere to stay. They were living in the camper, but the police had to take that because it wasn't safe. And I was able to, to call you up 
and even though this family didn't meet exactly your criteria because of your heart to care for kids, um, I got to load them up in my car, take them to your place. Your team just took good care of them and helped them get on their feet as well. So I, I love your why and I love how you are fulfilling your in so many ways. You've been at the rescue mission a year now. What are some of the things that challenged and surprised you uh, over this last year? You know, when you've met one person experiencing homelessness, you've met one person. Right. And so everyone's story is different. Um, so many folks think, oh, if you don't have a house, you're just lazy, or you're a drug addict, or you're a bum, or you're useless. And that's not true. The thing that surprises me right now is we're seeing the cost of rent is shooting through the roof. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of folks that are really like first-time homelessness. Mm-hmm. And these are, some of them, retirees that have nethered on Social Security. And their Social Security is staying pretty flat or maybe a small increase. But the rent's going up two, three, four hundred dollars a month. They can't keep pace with that, and so for the first time, they're experiencing homelessness. In fact, recently, last month, we had a uh, a young retiree couple, not young, but they've been living with their daughter, and they were doubled up in their apartment, and they got evicted, and they had nowhere to go. Their social security didn't cover barely anything, and they were at a loss. They came to us, our case managers were able to come alongside, listen. Um, we were able to find another daughter in Alabama. And thanks to one of our partners, we were able to get them on a Greyhound bus so they could get back so they weren't staying in the shelter for a long time. But we're seeing that every single day. You know, the average cost of rent in our county right now is like $1,800, $1,900 a month for a two-bedroom. Isn't that crazy? Which means your income needs to be at least $60,000. When you're coming out of college, a first-year teacher, they're not making that. Our police officers, our first responders, um, they're not doing that. So they're having to not live in our county or live somewhere else. I think I read a statistic that about 60% of our county employees don't even live in our county because our cost is so high. Mm-hmm. And prices are going up. We know. I mean, I've got three kids. I'm buying milk all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's all my kids drink, which is a good thing. But I was at Aldi, and the price keeps going up. And mm-hmm. you know, we can't keep up with this. Yeah. And so, But at that rate, at $15 an hour, I think it's like 111 hours a week that someone has to work to be able to afford. Because your affordability should be about 30, maybe 35%. But we have a lot of folks that are spending 50% or more. And then if their kid gets sick, or they get sick and they miss a day or two of work, well, how do they make that up? Mm -hmm. So that's where they circle and begin to spiral. Mm -hmm. Now, our hope is that they can stay in their apartment. And we work with a lot of great partners in our community. We work with folks like Hope Helps and Oviedo, or the Sharing Center in Longwood, or Christian Help in, here in Castleberry. And we try to work with them because if folks can stay in their units for as long as possible, right. that's the best thing. Because yeah. once you get an eviction on your record, it's hard to break out of that. You have to pay that back. Yeah. And so part of what we do is when folks come into our shelter, we sit and we write their budget with them. And we say, how much debt do you have? How much credit card debt? Do you have an eviction? And you know, medical bills. And we put all that down. And you know, we ask them quite candidly, you know, how much, you know, what are you spending your money on? And we put it on a piece of paper for them. And oftentimes they'll say, well, my goal is to live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house in Lake Mary. And that's a fantastic goal at 3000 or $3,500 a month. So maybe you need to think of intermediary step, which is yeah. maybe as a single person, a room for rent. Or maybe we can find other avenues for you to be able to partner with other people. Um, but, the, but the surprises are just that, you know, you've met one person, you've just met one person. 
and to listen to their story. Because there but the grace of God go any of us sitting around this table right now. Yeah, that's, as I hear you sharing, that's really the sense I get is that it, every person has a story and every uh, person has a kind of unique circumstances that created, you know, the environment that they're in. Um, you guys are obviously trying to, to respond and, and help to the, to the immediate needs. Chris, I want to lean in a little bit more maybe to, the, to the, some of the trends that you're noting with the, you talked about the uptick and, and just cost of living, et cetera. How does Rescue Outreach Mission kind of, uh, how do you hopefully see yourselves adapting uh, as can you kind of forecast the next five, 10 years as things change in this county? And, and things are gonna get worse before they get better, I believe. Mm-hmm. We're just starting to see places like New York City and Chicago, they've been working with those experiencing homelessness for hundreds of years. We haven't. We're relatively young as a state. And so folks are, are coming in droves because there's a greater life down here, everyone believes. And there's this is a great place to live. I chose to move back here a number of years ago because we have a phenomenal school system. We've got a great sheriff. You know, it's a great place to live, work, and play, as we like to say in Seminole County. But I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, there's just a true lack of attainable or affordable housing for those that are living kind of on the margins and the lower level of the, the socioeconomic. So um, what we're doing is we're really prioritizing housing first, which is the HUD model. Um, it used to be working with those experiencing homelessness, you would spend lots of time trying to fix all of their issues and get everything taken care of. And so I was talking with someone soon after I started it at ROM, a rescue outreach mission, and she was running a shelter in a different state. She told me the story and she mentioned that she had a, a young mother she was working with, with a couple kids, and they had been working with them, and they were at the shelter for, I think, like 16, 18 months. They got her got her a job right down the street, got her involved in a local faith community, got her kids in school, and everything was going, and mental health, and, and got her on a good path. So they found her a place to live, but it was like eight miles away and the next county over. So her kids had to get enrolled in a new wow. system, and the school social worker, the principal, no one knew her kids. So when her kids acted up, they didn't know the trauma these kids had experienced by being homeless. When you're a child and the trauma that's involved with being experiencing homelessness is just, it's unlike anything else. Now there's lots of studies that show um, how developmentally challenged these children are who are experiencing these traumas. So her kids got in trouble and then her car broke down. So she couldn't get back to her job and her faith community was a different county. So all of a sudden she ended up back in the shelter. So the idea behind Housing First is Rather than wait 16 months, what if they were able to, within 30 or 60 days, get that family into that place that's attainable, Mm -hmm. and then surround her with services, get her connected to a faith community, get her connected to an agency that might be able to help out, get the social work in that area, and find her a job right around in that area. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things we do. When we get someone placed over in Oviedo Winter Springs, we connect them to Hope Helps. Mm -hmm. And in Longwood, Castleford, you know, Sharing Center, or in Apopka, Loaves and Fishes, and up in Volusia County, we connect them to the Neighborhood Center or other places where they can continue to get that, that help and come alongside that we may not be able to offer because we don't want them coming back. That's our goal. We're also a shelter of last resort. And the longer folks can stay, the better in their units. But once it's hit that last resort, that's when we stand in the gap and Raleigh try to come alongside. This conversation is a little bit like drinking from a fire hose, Chris, and I need to go back and listen to it again, and listeners, I would encourage you to do that because you, you drop in some, some big, big news on us, 
right? The Seminole County, for everything that we've got going really, really well, there are some significant challenges. And you're looking to address them in some very thoughtful, systemic, long-term ways. I received a call uh, actually on the way over here from a single mom that I don't know. She got uh, the number from my church. Um, she's struggling to pay rent. She's got three kids at home, single mom. Uh, her rent was 1100 I couldn't afford to pay all of it. I offered to pay a little bit on the condition that she would get guarantees on the rest of the money. Otherwise, I was just going to be giving the money to her landlord and it wasn't going to be helping her, right? And as I was listening to her story, um, I had great sympathy and empathy, but I also had this feeling of limitedness, like, I don't know how to help you, ma'am. But I realized it takes a whole community to fight this community's problem. What would you say to people like me in that situation, or even just those who are listening, who are hearing the stats and thinking, oh my goodness, this is crazy that it's happening in our neighborhoods, I wanna get involved. How do people get involved yeah. in becoming part of the solution? Great question. I think I love to hear that you say partnering because I think that's so important um, that you're trying to help this this young lady and her kids partner. Um, absolutely. You know, we're really fortunate. Um, Someone County Public Schools has a great program called Families in Need or FIN. Yeah. Um, and I love the work they're doing. That's you know, Assistant Superintendent. Um, Elwood is there, and then Jillian is the director of that program, and she's just a rock star. I was speaking to a leadership seminar last week about this, and they just really do a great job. So there's resources there, so make sure that family's plugged into Finn. And a Amy's, um, Amy's class. Yes, yeah. she's in the class. Finn, Finn, Finn was my go-to yep. because I believe that they got resources if you have kids in the school system. They do. If you have kids in the school system, there are definite resources um, with Finn. Um, in fact, at the end of the school year last year, um, Finn did a survey and found we had 2,700 kids in Seminole County that were considered homeless. Mm -hmm. Now, Finn defines uh, Families in Need program, uses something called the McKinney-Vento Act, which you can Google if you want, but that not is just not students who are sleeping in cars, but it includes shelters, motels, hotels, couch surfers, uh, couch surfers or double and tripled up. Yeah. So when I talk about the 62 right now that are those are true sleeping in cars and tents and on the streets. Well, it's, Not even it's interesting, too, because there are levels of this, too, right? There's those who are actually homeless. There's those who are in that McKinney-Venti Act. But then there's this huge, huge, much bigger group that's right on the edge. They're not homeless yep. yet, but they're a paycheck away or a problem away. And, and it's going to take all of us to make a difference. It's absolutely going to take all of us working together. It's going to take the faith community, it's going to take individuals, it's going to take our county government, all working together, the businesses. It's not something I don't think any one group can tackle. I think it's going to take all of us. I know it's becoming more of a priority, um, like some of the chamber folks were having conversations around this, and so it's really important. Um, and then one thing I really discourage people from doing um, is when you see a panhandler on the streets of Seminole County, I discourage people from giving panhandlers money. Hmm. It's just not healthy for you or for them. The agencies like ourselves or some of these others can do a whole lot more with that one or two or five dollars you're going to give them. You know, we're going to provide eighty to ninety thousand meals for our guests this year at our shelter alone. Um, we're going to provide tons of resources, case management, so we can take that couple dollars and go a long way. As can these other agencies. 
versus the folks that are panhandling. Right. You know, it's their constitutional right. They're allowed to panhandle. This is America. But I discourage you, and I know our sheriff's deputies discourage people from doing that also. Right, because that, that benevolent money that you want to help can go further if it's put in the right hands who are going to use it in terms of some strategic mm-hmm. uh, solutions. Robin's waving that we got to connect, but I want to keep going. Uh, we got I know. Two, I saw two. the waves. I was like, I'm trying to go through your list of questions. Go, oh, you, are, you, you are lighting a fire in me, and, All right. and, and I hope that we're lighting a fire in our listeners. Because in a county like ours, we should not have this kind of need going on. One of the things that you said was that partnership is crucial, right? No one organization is going to solve this on our own. No one individual is. No faith community is. So we, we need each other. One of the things I love about you, Chris, is that you are at a lot of places around town, right? Uh, you are well connected because somehow you've learned how to connect with people. And I know this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's actually on topic, part of the solution. What are some secrets that you have found about how we can connect more with people and how we can start to build partnerships and collaborations that bring the change that is necessary? You know, I, I don't think, in, in my faith, we're not designed to be alone. Yes. You weren't created to be alone. We're created to be in relationship. I come from a faith background, so I believe it's the first relationship with my God, and then it's relationship with others. And you can't solve this by yourself. You've got to just to, to build deep, authentic relationships with people and get to know so you can pick up a phone call and know who to call at 9 o'clock at night. Or whatever it was. I think Sorry it was about like, that. Yeah. No, it's totally fine. It was 9 o'clock on a Friday night. It was, and I think it was at a football. I was at a Lake Brantley football game, actually. It was on the sidelines with the band, and I was jumping off to the side to help out. It was totally fine. I don't mind doing it. So. But I think it's just getting to know people and, and meeting where they're at. You know, it's important. I mean, we've shared some meals. We've shared coffee. I think it's just spending time breaking bread together, getting to know, mm-hmm. um, listening to people's stories, hearing what their passions are. And trying to connect people to what their passions. And their passion may not be working with those who are experiencing homelessness. Someone's passion might be something else. It could be education. So let's get them connected to our fabulous school system. Or get them connected to our wonderful college at Seminole State. that are just wonderful folks there. Or businesses. And and just listening and just being with people. A community, in order to find the solutions, need connectors like you who builds a big table that invites everybody to come and sit around. And Chris, we sure are grateful for all that you and the mission does. As we wrap up, um, how can people connect with you, with the mission? Um, just a personal plug. I would love for them to talk to you and learn more about what's going on. I would also encourage them to give. It's not going to hurt any of us uh, to give 20 30 50 $100 uh, to help keep someone off the streets tonight. And your organization is well placed to do that how do people find out about the mission more thanks you can always find us at our website romcfl.org um, and i really appreciate andy matching every donation that we're receiving <laughs> in the to, month of november bucks, man. Up to 20 bucks. Up, up, you can I cut wish, that part out i wish i could do more it's on record for you <laughs> no um in order to connect with us you can uh, find us on our website at romcfl.org. We're on all the social media platforms on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's X now, by the way. X. Sorry, I am old. I can't keep (laughs) up with this stuff. Um, We're on all the social media platforms. We'd love to talk with you. MySpace? Um, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Probably. got to remember, I was in college before the internet. And, um, no, we'd love to connect with you there. Um, If you've got a group, 
I'd love to come. I'd love to come and speak in front of groups. Mm-hmm. Love to come and speak to your faith communities. Um, and I love building, you know, any all faith communities. It's fun to come and speak mm-hmm. and talk about the important work. And we do appreciate. Um, we definitely can use donations at any time, um, especially as we're going into the Christmas Thanksgiving season. Mm-hmm. It's a season of giving thanks for what we have and a season for giving. And mm-hmm. so we'd love to be able to have folks come alongside and and give and support and uh, you know help us out. Um, we'd love to get monthly donors. You know, I like to tell people, you know, a monthly donation of $83 a month, that's less than a meal for a family of four at Olive Garden. Yeah. And any one of us can really afford that. So that's what we try to encourage people to do. I love it. Chris, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for the difference you're making in our community. Thank you for what you're doing for the, the least and the lonely and the most vulnerable among us. We appreciate you and the work that you do. I have a great team. It's not me a great group of folks that are up there every day 24 hours a day we have staff that are caring and equipping and empowering and we really believe strongly in respect compassion and dignity for every guest that comes to our place thank you chris man i was deeply touched by chris's comments and challenged by them really to know that so many school kids in our neighborhoods in our community in our county are going to bed without a roof over their head. That's something that if we all do a little, then we can make a big difference in. So thank you, Chris, for your work through the Sanford Rescue Mission. As we prepare to wrap up this podcast, I'd like to share a little bit of inspiration. Today coming from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, who said, among many other things, this. I do not think much of a man who is not wiser today than he was yesterday. I do not think much of a man who is not wiser today than yesterday. And Lincoln is reminding every one of us, challenging us, if you will, to learn something new today so that we can become better tomorrow. Tomorrow not today should be the best day of our life because what we learn today what we receive today what we gain today as we put it into action it becomes a leapfrog for tomorrow and all of our tomorrows abraham lincoln said i do not think much of a man who is wiser today than yesterday so friends do something today that will make you wiser tomorrow than you are today Thank you, Andy. Thank you, President Lincoln. Thank you, listener, for listening to this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. This podcast is hosted by Andy Searles and Drew Taylor and produced by Robin Kepi. <laughs> for more information, please visit us at what'supcastleberry.org. Until next time, have a great week.